Yeah. Hey, Patrick, can I get that first slide? We get a chance. Mine's tied, could kind of tied up into my, my testimony. But first, I want to take a minute publicly, done it privately several times, and thank Brent and Suzanne. You know, I've been around them, I want to say, nine or ten years now. Pretty close. And uh, they breathed on my dreams with the Holy Spirit, and we, we got to birth King Train. King Train's going to be awesome this year. So get those flyers in loudly and pass them out. We're doing online this year for the first time. We're going to release a whole brand new website just based on chemo training alone. It's going to be a crazy, awesome year for chemo training. We are totally sold out in it. I'm telling you, it's going to be phenomenal. We're, we're just hitting the reset button totally on it. Uh, th- I struggle with this message because, like Angela said, I'm in a very, very raw place with the Lord, uh, with this transition going physically and spiritually in my life. And so... You know, a couple times I want to walk away from this message, and, and then Russ Folkler would call me. And how's that message coming? And he would have key words that the Lord is on it. And then, or a book would come in my lap, or somebody on Facebook that would just stick out to me and like, oh, Lord, I can't walk from this message. Because, see, we live in a, we live in a society where you have to be politically correct when you speak now. And somewhere over the years, in my 12 years of being a Christian, it seeped into the church. We have to be very careful how you say things and word things. So I didn't want to come in with an offensive message, a, a very religious message, a very, you better do things this way, because that's not who I am in my heart. That's not the heart of this church by any means. This church is a phenomenal message for the world, which is the Father's love. Yeah. And Brent does an amazing job passing that out. So when I got it, I started, I started studying a little bit, started getting some books, and started going to these rabbit trails. Lord said, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to prepare myself theologically correct on this message so I'm going to offend people. He said, stop it. He said, just share your journey in your heart, and I'll show up with you. So I'm going to take you through some things of my life where I'm at, where I've come from, which I normally do anyway, and let the Lord speak to you the way he wants to speak to you in it. If he doesn't speak to you, it's way okay. If he does, awesome. Go with the Lord. Because this message is so much to it, I can only, I can only score the top of it to give you just the, the, the tip-top version of it and can't, don't have time to drill down in one sitting. One sitting, you know, it'll take days and days and days. But I'm going to talk about walking out the Christian life in regards to the tabernacle of God. And the whole tabernacle story is in Exodus 25 through 30. But I'm not going to get into that. That's a long read and a lot of stuff there. But, but you know, one day I'm at Andrew's parents' house and, and I'm walking my dog. And it's a beautiful morning. Beautiful. I mean, the sun's out. The grass is beautiful. It's like the whole, everything creation is worshiping God that morning. It's like 7.30 in the morning. And I begin to weep because I'm in God's presence. And I'm just feeling this perfect love all over me. He says, son, I need to talk to you about something. He says, son, deep in your heart, you've tucked it away and don't even know it's there. But you're angry with me, you haven't forgiven me. And I'm like, Lord, what are you talking about? I'm walking my dog through the park. He says, because your son is here with me in heaven, not with you on earth. Because I didn't heal him on earth for you. And therefore, deep in your heart, you're angry with me and you haven't forgiven me fully yet. Now, how good of us is the Lord to put me in a place of his perfect love and a walk, to show me a place in my heart that is so, so damaged, so hurt, so painful of a loss of a loved son, that he's ready to take it out. Yeah. Now I'm bawling. I said, Lord, please take it out. Take it from me. And something transformed that moment with the Lord in me. And then began to speak to him over the next several weeks, saying, son... When your son passed away, you got scared and fear came in your life. And you begin to hide behind your title of being a director and an elder and a pastor of Blazing Fire Church and came to training because it's very comfortable for you. You do it well and you're doing a great job. 
And so you just want to be comfortable. You didn't want to come to cut an edge with me no more. He says, son, when I sent you to Blazing Fire Church, I told you for a season. I told you to serve the house. When I told you to go to Blazing Fire and serve Pastor Brent's anointing, you were to vacuum carpets if needed, take out garbage, whatever that man needed to do to run his ministry, you were to do. We weren't talking about preaching or ministering. This is just the overflow of that, of serving this house. So it's been nine, ten years I've been here. And the Lord has blessed me with open doors. And I thank Brent and Suzanne for trusting me with that. Where I come on this platform, share any message I want to from my heart, because they know my heart, is for Jesus. But he says, son, will you follow me? Will you trust me again? And I said, Lord, I'm going to do it scared. I'm going to do it scared. But I'm going to follow and be obedient to you. And he showed me my life being the first tabernacle when you're first saved by God. You step into the tabernacle, you notice there's three, the outer court, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies, right? And the tabernacle of Moses in the wilderness. Beautiful construction that God gave him how to build it. So when you became saved, when I became saved at 12, you know, 12 years ago in my apartment, when the Holy Spirit showed up, I stepped into the outer court of God in his tabernacle. And trust me, I, I had no grid for God. Because I, I spent years of my, all the years of my life in the world. And so I was a Christian saved by the grace of Jesus, but I still had a whole lot of, I had a world value system in me. I was very selfish, very fearful, very broken, a lot of pain at 38 years old. And a lot of Christians in the outer court of God live that way. Rightfully so, when you're brand new. But there's some Christians who have been there 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And they're still in the outer court. Now, God loves them. He blesses them. And he wants more for them every day. But they won't let them in. But God started coming into my life. The first thing he told me, some of the things you're going to hear, I've shared before many a times. But in my outer court experience, the first thing the Lord said, I spent the first several weeks, several months, on a blue carpet floor in Fremont, crying every, all the time in worship every Sunday. Because I was so broken and the Lord was falling on me. He said, son, I need to speak to you about something. This is in the first six weeks probably of being a Christian. In my outer court experience. He said, son, now that you're with me, you can't have sexual relations no more outside of marriage. I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> Tell me that again? Son, you cannot have sexual relations no more outside of marriage. I said, God, is that even real? People do that? And he says, I had no grid. I'm from the world. I said, Lord, that's not even possible. Do people truly, really do that? He says, son, for I want to take you on this journey, I need you to do that. And I said, Lord, well, then you have to help me because I can't do it. He says, I have, if you follow me, I have the wife for you, prepared for you. I said, okay, let's do it. And I gave him two or three years. <laughs> Eight years later, but God, in his grace, and give me out some hairy situations I got myself into. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. I was able to marry my wife. Had never touched a woman in my Christian life had sexual relations, and he brought her in my life. And thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's really, yes. I was addicted to nicotine. The drugs is no problem, the alcohol is no problem. It was the nicotine was my vice. I was smoking a pack, pack and a half a day. 
just killing myself. As a brand new Christian in the outer court of God, I said these words in my apartment when he first showed before I was even in church. I said, God, I was dead spiritually. I was dying physically. But you breathe your life back into me again. You know what? God will make a deal with you this day. I'll make a deal with you. It's no longer my life. It's yours now. Do what you want with it. The stupidest prayer I've ever made in my life. <laughs> but I'm t- don't make that prayer unless you mean it. Because he took me on it. So here, here I am addicted to nicotine. I can't stop smoking. And I never smoked at church because, you know, I, I, I did grow up in church as a kid. So I knew about religion. So a couple of my friends knew. So I go to church and they go home and smoke. Right? And so uh, we had a conference, long story short, we had a conference. And the third night of this conference, I had been at the church like probably about 15 hours, it seemed like, between night services and day services and stuff. I was a glorified catcher. I catch anybody in the world, I don't care how big, how small, how tall, whatever. Couldn't pray for nobody and wouldn't pray for nobody, but I can catch. And that night, I went to go home and have a cigarette. 10, 12, 15, I don't remember the time frame. I had a cigarette in a while. I was in the outer court of God. And this sin thing, this, this, this nicotine has my, this, this spirit has me. And I went to light, I had one cigarette in the pack, I went to light it. And I hear this small, still voice saying, choose me or that cigarette. I'm like, I am tripping, I'm hearing voices and stuff. <laughs> I don't have nicotine withdrawals. I really need to get a grip and have the cigarette and go to bed because I have to work tomorrow. Went to light it a second time. I hear this, choose me or that cigarette. Okay, now I know I'm crazy. I got to have a smoke. I went to light it a third time. Out of the corner of my kitchen came this voice. Choose me or Satan now. I cried. I was scared. I crumbled that cigarette. I went to bed on the couch with a nightlight on because I was so scared. I woke up the next day fully delivered from nicotine. Fully delivered. Fully delivered. A few years later, I'm in Finland preaching. I'm in bed that night, and the Lord came in my room. Holy Spirit walked in my room. Couldn't see him, I could feel his presence. So I want to talk to you about a few things. So a few years ago, when I broke that cigarette addiction off you, let me tell you what happened. You had one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom. And I want you to know which one you're going to choose, me or the world. And you chose me. And this nicotine, that was just a mask. That was hiding all the places I wanted to get into your heart to make the changes I really want to make in your life. See, people wasn't smoking. That was a sin. That was the excuse I was using from God to get into my heart. So if you're smoking, I'm, this is not about that. Hear my heart. It's not about that. But that was the block, blocking God from coming in for me personally to deal with my heart issues. And you start dealing with my life as a Christian and having his way with me. Now, you may think God talks like that. Well, he needed to get my attention. That's how he, that was my love language at that time. He got my attention because he loved me so much. He didn't want me to see me destroy myself and killing myself. So he got my attention. Some people, I share this testimony before, and people get scared. God is me. No, he loved me. He loved me so much. He, he roared, and it got my attention and broke that addiction. So in the outer court, a lot of times, where we, let me read this. this you don't have to grip this at all. This is just my interpretation for my journey. In the outer court, there's a, this is where all Christians begin after having accepted the Lord Jesus by faith alone. 
flesh or carnal Christians, and I do hate those words, by the way, but carnal is in the Bible. Flesh or carnal Christians are those that remain in the outer court, living like natural men, with little discernible difference between them and the world. 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 3, I will read in a minute. They tend not to believe it is possible to understand the ways of God and live a life devoid of God's character and power. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 and 16. They tend to be full of self-pity, selfish, self-seeking, self-interest, self-motivated. A Christian in this condition cannot understand deeper spiritual truths. Now, let me see something. When I'm talking about self-centered, self-conscious, self-pity, I'm talking about a lifestyle. Sometimes we get sad. Sometimes we have bad days. Sometimes we have, may have a bad week. I'm talking about a lifestyle. There's a difference between feeling having a rough day, a rough month, or a lifestyle of just self-pity, self-focus, always introspecting about yourself. Who am I? You know what I mean? First Corinthians 3, 1 through 3. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as a, to carnal, as babies in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. Even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, and you are not carnal and behaving like mere men. Or you're not carnal and behaving like mere men. But the message says, but for right now, friends... I'm completely frustrated by your unspiritual dealings with each other and with God. You're acting like infants in relation to Christ, capable of nothing much more than nursing at the breast. Well then, I'll nurse you since you don't seem to be able, capable of anything more. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important or you're really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything's going your way, content, when everything's, content only when things are going your way, when one of you says, I'm on Paul's side, the other says, I'm on for Apollos, are you being totally infantile? Now, let me, let me explain this a little bit. What I'm trying to say, people that live in the outer court, I'm talking about Christians across the world, across denominations. The thing that breaks my heart in the body of Christ today is we are so attacking each other in the body, whether they're Catholic, whether they're Baptist, even those in the river attacking each other. Well, they're so grace-based, well, they're so religious-based, well, they're so, we're just so them, them, them. That's infantile. That's stupid. That's dumb. That's what the enemy wants. It's to tear each other down. We're doing his job. And God said, I got so much more better stuff for you guys to do. Let, let's lead on the playground. Let's go. You're so bigger than that. I love you so much because you, you were made in my creation. You were made in my image. You were made with my character. Stop all that and let's get on the business. We don't have to live there. But if you do, God loves you anyway. And you're going to heaven. The inner court. The lampstand. Prophetic of Jesus, the eternal light God. The golden altar of incense, the table of showbread. Prophetic of Jesus, the bread of life. This place represents the soul of a man. The soul consists of our mind, will, and emotions. The room contains three pieces of furniture and represents three phases of growth. This phase is entered by Christians that have laid down their life to God at the bronze altar and have rid themselves of sinful desires. Not that they never sin, but rather they don't, don't, they don't live a sinful lifestyle by cleansing the, cleansing the word every day they read. So, the God spoke to me in my last few months, saying, son, you're living in their court, but I want you to live out of the Holy of Holies. He says, son, you are doing works with me. He said, son, when you were in the outer court, 
You're saying, I'm going to do things in the name of God. I'm going to do things for God. He loved that about me. He loved my zealousness. He loved that I was charging on the front line for God. When I came to the inner court, he says, now we're doing things together. He said, but when you come in the Holy of Holies, I'm going to do things through you. Now, that's my Holy of Holies that he wants to take me into. Yours will look different. He says, I'm going to do things through you. I said, Lord, well, how do I get there? And I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me go back just a little bit. In the inner court, we began to demonstrate the power of God through prayer and undoing the plans of the enemy. We discovered the gifts of the Spirit operating in our lives with the result that we experienced that all things are possible, like in Philippians 4.13 and John 14.12. Others take notice and come to us for prayer. They're amazed at the anointing in our teaching and our our preaching, our boldness in the faith. Now, I live in, like you guys know, my testimony, as I lived in the outer, in the course of God, at my job for two years, we had signs, wonders, and miracles every day for two years, where 95 to 90% of our, my division came to know the Lord through that power. Where I was doing more ministry at work in the secular company than work itself, but I was number one salesman the whole time. Because I stepped in that place of secular employment, it wasn't secular no more. It was God's domain. And through his grace on my life, he sh- through that dumb prayer mates years before that, he starts showing up at work. So we begin to do things together. I got to travel the world a little bit in different places and preach the gospel and see signs and wonders and miracles as we did things together. I remember being in the shower one day before this women's, women's, women's conference I was going to do. And I got all excited in the shower. And Lord, I want to see this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that thing. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to do that. I said, oh, my God, Lord, listen to me. I'm so full of myself. I'm so sorry. He says, no, son, what do you want to do? I'll make it happen. And I wrote a list of what I want to see happen. And everything on that list happened that day. Everything on that list happened. We were doing things together. But he said, son, I want to do things through you. I want to do things through my children. So for the several years, for several months now, I'm having these experiences where, and I understand why, I'm in Walmart, and I go to the bathroom, and there's a pile of garbage on the floor. He says, go pick that up. And I told you guys many a times, go pick, he says, go pick that trash up and put it in the garbage can. I'm like, they got generous. Yeah, but I want you to do it. But that's their job. They get paid, but I want you to do it. Will you do it? And I pick up the trash and put it in the garbage. More than one time, but several times now. Or I go to the bathroom out here, and the guy's bathroom, we tend to leave a lot of water on the countertop. And I wipe my hands, dry them. He says, why don't you go clean that water up? I'm like, what? Well, they do it. No, why don't you clean it up for the next person coming in? And I get the paper towels, I start cleaning off the cabinet towner. Or last week, Saturday night, I use the urinal. I'm being honest, I use the urinal. And I flush it, and it's overflowing. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> Somebody stuffed a paper towel in it. I'm like, okay. He says, why don't you go back and get that out of there? I said, how? He said, just get it out. So I went to Shannon trying to find some tools or something to get it out. I put these two little things together, try, it couldn't come out. He said, stick your hand there and get it. I'm like, what? <laughs> Last Saturday, I kid you not. He said, stick your hand, just grab it. There's urine in the urinal. I grabbed it with my hand and threw it away and washed my hand and cleaned up around it and washed my hands real good. Probably prayed for you some of that night. Why would God do that to me? He knows I love my, he knows I'm, I know I'm a son. 
I know he loves me. He knows I love him. But why would he do that to me? He says, because if you want to enter my holy of holies and me do things through you, you need to be obedient to everything I ask you to do. Without question. Because you know it's me. And when they teach the school, always, always, always be obedient to the voice of God. Just know it's God's voice. And that's some other spirit. I remember back in kingdom training, back in the old days, we used to have 60 people at nighttime. And, and I'd teach or whatever, have teacher come in, we have a great night or whatever. And every time, twice a week, at the end, I'm taking out the garbage cans, I'm vacuuming, I'm cleaning the chairs. I had to work the night, I worked a full-time job. And people are so blessed, they say, I'm vacuuming, can you pray for me? I stop the vacuum, I'll pray for them, and they leave, I vacuum some more. I take the garbage out, can you pray for me? I put the garbage can down, I pray for them. They leave, I take the garbage out again. Months after months. And one day I went home and said, God, your people stink. I'll say it that way. That's what I said to the Lord. I said, every twice a week they come in here. They don't help me clean up. They don't help me do nothing. They just want, take, 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 take. I work a full-time job. What's wrong with them? They're greedy. He says, what's wrong with you? I said, what do you mean? He says, when I told you to serve that ministry in that church, when I told you to serve Brent Locker, I said to vacuum the floors, to take out the garbage, to do what they need to do to run that ministry properly. Are you too big for that now? Did I give you some promotions? Are you too big for what I called you to do? That next, wherever night it was next week, I was a champ. Woo! Woo! Hey, I'll pray, I'll, I'll pray for you. I, don't, I got it. Don't worry. I got this. Let me explain why. Because I was in God's will and it made me excited. That's because he taught me on it because I was in his will and I just wanted to be in his will. If I take out the garbage, that excited me. I want to take out the garbage for God. If you're in a job, you need to be excited because God put you there. I don't care how terrible your boss is, God put you there. And then guess what happened after I got that in my spirit and I'm doing, my, I'm, I'm doing it with joy and love and mean it? All of a sudden, I'm vacuuming one night. And Joe and Eva, why are you doing that? I'm supposed to. No, we'll do it for you. And from that day on, they took on cleaning that building for me. When I did it with the joy of the Lord and the love of God for his children, he took care of me. You get what I'm saying? So why is God having me, or is he having you, do these little things? Because in a very dark world, he needs people of light to show up. See, we can turn on the news, read the newspapers, and how dark it is, and believe if we want to. Or we can show up on the scene and be the light. We can talk about being the light, we can brag about being the light, but are you going to be the light? And for you to be the light, he has to do some things in you to be that light. Not a really good thing, I'm a good Christian, I'm doing a good deed. No, what he wants to do. See, I believe the people that live out of the Holy of Holies, and I'd be like a Graham Cook who messed me up last night even more, along with God. I believe he is walking in the Holy of Holies out of that place and God's doing things through him. Because see, he's releasing, if you look at his life, he has the fruit of the Spirit on it, right? But no, it's the fruit of the Spirit inside you that people don't see. See, I have some of the fruit of the Spirit on that side of my life, but it's not consistent all the way. But he says, Lonnie, because I want it for the spirit inside of you. You can have it on the outside growing. I want it to grow inside of you where it's permanent. 
And so, an example, in the outer court. Hey, man, you see that dude over there? Oh, look how he's dressed. Wow. We at church. Look how that guy's dressed in the outer, outer court Christians. Man, God, well, you know, whatever. He ain't got no money. Outer court Christian. Inner court Christian. We should pray for that brother. You know why? Because he's doing such and such and such and stuff. <laughs> well, we should pray for him. Inner court Christian. This is what God says to me. Why even have that thought? Why do you have that thought? Why did you look at my son or daughter that way? Why do you let that even thought enter your mind? Towards my son or daughter. Pre-believer and believer. Why would you even look that way at somebody, my son and daughter? Why would you even look that way? And he's not mad. He said, there's so much more. You know what God, see, see God's dealt with my demons. In the inner court, outer court, inner, outer court, inner court experience, he's dealt with my demons. You know what he's dealing with now? Me. He's dealing with me. I was in the way of my call. Not some demon down the street, not some demon next door, not some demon trying to harass me because they know I'm a son. And they do try to harass, they try to provoke, they try to get on your nerves. But I know too much truth in God. But now God's dealing with me. His creation. Because see, I can think I know who I am. And I'm tricked. Only God knows who I really am. You know why? Because he's the creator of me. He wants to show me how he created me. He wants to show you how he created you. What he called you to be. It doesn't mean you give up your will and desire and goals. He's put those in you anyway. Remember that what I said a month or two ago? God spoke to me one day. He said, son, do you want me to be the God you want me to be in your life? Or, or will you let me be the God I want to be in your life? I said, God, be the God you want to be. Well, look at your prayer life, son. I look at my prayer life. God, here's my needs. Here's my desires. Here's what I need your help in. Show me the way, Lord. Which is correct, biblical. Present supplications to the Lord. Here's but now look at your heart. But answer it this way, God. It has to look like this, God. God, if it's you, I want it done now. God, make it, this is what needs to be done. God put the money in the bank right here, right now. I was telling God in my heart how to do his job in my life. This is not a bad thing. This is just truth. Now, God loves me without a, he's told my wife how much he loves, God loves me. He loves you. That's a done deal. I'm, I'm good with that. God, I want to grow up and be like Jesus. I don't want to play church. I want to be the church. I want to be the guy showing up in the dark place bringing the light of God there. So God, deal with me. Every day I pray this right now. I'm in a season. I've said it before. It's just a season. It's not a ritual. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us my trespasses. I forgive those trespasses against me. I pray that every day. Then I say this, Lord, forgive me for the sins I know about, but especially for the ones I don't know about. And God, as you search my heart, Show me the things that are rotten about me, keep me from being like Jesus. If you don't want to show me, just rip them out then. And guess what? He's been showing me those things. And these aren't bad things. I'm not sitting there watching Playboy or ordering magazines or doing crazy. It's these little things, these little foxes about me that keep me from being like Jesus, what he's trying to transform me to be. Like taking offense because somebody made a mistake and forgot their name. Or because I forgot to say hi to somebody. They forgot to say hi to me, and I'm mad at them now. Little crazy stuff we get caught up in ourselves. God said, no, son, you're so bigger than that. 
So when you look at somebody, why do you have that thought? Where's that, where's, like Graham Cook says, who sponsored that thought? Now, get me wrong. We need to call each other on stuff. I get that. Hey, we're in a relationship. We need to call things out of each other, call each other accountable. Things. I get that. But it's my heart he's talking about, how I look at that person. Am I looking at them in judgment? Or am I first looking at a son or as a daughter? Well, I'm looking at people at judgment. That's a son or a daughter. He's changing my way I perceive and see things the way he sees things. He has, I'm in such a raw place with God. I don't know if I'm coming or going right now. Spiritually, emotionally, physically. He is ripping me apart for the good of his kingdom to look like his son to be a blessing to where I go. And I'm way okay with that because I know he loves me and I know he has nothing but great things for me. And all things that meant to hurt me, he would use for good to better his kingdom to touch people's lives. And that's what I signed up for. That's my deal. Your deal is going to look different than mine. But I want, I, I came to this thing, man, I came to the Lord at 38 years old. 38. I was at all those years in the streets, partying, hanging out, doing stupid stuff of the world. Stupid stuff. I'm on the slow boat. I start, God, why would you, I'm 30 years old, I missed it. He said, well, Moses was 80. He will take away every one of your excuses if you let him. And he'll let you keep other one of your excuses if you want to. But he'll keep wooing you and wooing you and wooing you because he loves you too much to keep you where you are. You can say no, he's still going to love you and bless you. Okay? But let me, t- let, me, let me tell you something right now. This is what I believe is lying to opinion, not blazing fire, not Pastor Brent, this is me. So email me. <laughs> God loves you. But if you reap something, you're gonna, if you're going to reap something that's, that's going to have a bad harvest, you're going to reap it. And he'll be there right with you and help you through it. They clean you up. But if you're going to go out there and do something crazy, you're going to reap a crazy harvest. He's not going to leave you or forsake you. He's still going to love you. But you're going to learn. He's a good father. So let's stop reaping all the stupid stuff, crazy stuff that's going to hurt us. Because he doesn't want that for us. He wants them but the best for us. And start saying, Lord, show me why I was created in the first place. I'm happy. I'm excited. I got a beautiful wife. We're on a new journey. I love this church. I love this home. If God said, where are you going to be? I said, here for the rest of my life. But he says, but will you follow me? And will you trust me again? That's all Jesus with the disciples. Come with me. Come with me. Where are we, where are we going? Just come. And I said, but Lord, you understand. At Blazing Fire, I get to preach. I get to teach. I get to equip people, send them out to the harvest, see life's transformed. He says, who do you think did that for you? Yourself? Oh, yeah, you did that, didn't you? He goes, I can do anything for you if you let me. I know I sound passionate about this because I am. Because I'm in this very raw, undone place with God. In the Holy of Holies, only the chief priest could go there. And he, he did that only one special day of the year. He would not see inside the ark, but would see the things around it. But in Matthew, but in Matthew 27, 53, Jesus flipped the script. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. 
Then behold, the veil of the temple, which was torn into two from top to bottom, and the earthquake and the rocks were split, and the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went to the holy city and appeared to many. When Jesus ripped that veil for what he did, we now had direct access into the Holy of Holies of God, into the outer court, inner court, and Holy of Holies. Now let me go back up a little bit. Because we read scripture sometimes, and I get stuck. The graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised, and came out of the graves after his resurrection. They went to the holy city and appeared to many. Can you imagine being in that day and time? Is these people going out of the graveyard? You ever thought of process that for a minute? I don't have the answer for it, but can you imagine what that would out of? Freaked out. How is that possible? And sometimes we just read over it. But that is amazing in itself. My gosh. And if we let God be God through us, will we be the ones that use to raise the dead? Now this whole process of walking things out with God, he never stops using you. He you right where you're at. If he can speak through a donkey, he'd rather much more speak through one of you than one of me. Because he loves to speak through us and work things through, through us. He loves that. He loves the part. He doesn't have to, but he chooses to partner with us. But there's so much more. As a church as a whole of the world, we set up for so little. We bought a lie somewhere. Saying salvation was it. Or going to church every Sunday is it. And that's a great thing. Starting that here. Or leading a Bible study. Those are great things. Those are good things. But there's so much more. Or having a great job. That's good. But there's so much more he created you to be. For you, you've got to figure out with God yourself. And somebody's walking by faith. And saying, Lord, what are you going to do? You're going to do. I'm all in. Jesus had no plan B. If we missed it, we missed it. But I believe God is good enough that he loves us so much that if we get off, he'll push us back a little bit because we're obedient. Don't mean we're going to get it wrong because he'll teach you those lessons. You know, we're, we're sitting in the bed one night, laying in the bed, talking. And try to lighten the crowd a little bit. And, uh, and I said, didn't we, didn't we have a word about Sacramento once? I'm like, we sure did, didn't we? So I went through my phone for my messages and stuff. It was a bunch of messages on my phone. Didn't hear nothing. But I saw this one from Bethel Leadership Advance on November on 11 1, 2011. And we began, that was about a year ago. A little over a year ago now. We began to play it. This is like a week and a half ago we listened to this thing, two weeks ago. And somewhere in the middle of the message, in Sacramento. I see Sacramento. And God's opening doors we have to be able to speak to the leaders of Sacramento into their lives. We're like, what? And not only he was restore what he had planned for Sacramento, you're part, of the, you're part of the puzzle for that. And not only Sacramento, but all of California and greater. And then she went on the, on the prophecy. And we're sitting in bed like, 11, 1, 11. And now we're living in Sacramento. We don't know why we're here. And we still don't know why we're there. But we live on, we're going to be living on San Francisco Boulevard. So our friends are reconnected with, they live on, <laughs> our friends are reconnected live on uh, Bay Bridge Street. If you, cut through the, if you cut through the line through the center of town where houses are, our houses will line up through, through town, if, if you, or you side of town. We don't have the answers, we're just saying, hmm. We just go, basically go, hmm, Lord, what are you doing? But he said, I want you to live out of holy and holies. I thought I got one foot in the holy of holies and one foot in the outer court, and I'm just being squeezed by God. 
I'm being not by the enemy, by God. And it's not, it's a good thing. It's just, well, painful. <laughs> because he's dealing with me. Stuff that is so far hidden, I don't even know what's there. And this is not bad stuff, people. This is stuff that will keep me from being all, now he will still love me if I don't do it. He will bless me. He's for me. But I want to go all the way. I want to ride this wave till I'm going home to be with Jesus and be everything as close as I can what he called me to be. And I think there's a remnant out there that believes that for themselves around the world. That he's calling to that. God loves us so much that no matter what we said to do, he's going to love us. But this is such an amazing journey to be on with God, not knowing what tomorrow's going to bring, trusting in him. And it doesn't mean you don't do anything. Don't get me wrong. You don't mean you don't do anything. You don't sit on the couch and say, God, what are you going to do? I mean, you start stepping out, testing the waters and see where he meets you at. You know what I mean? But right now he's dealing with me and the little things in me that he's squeezing because I want the fruit of the spirit to grow in me and that's some outside of me where it comes and goes. I want to become my lifestyle and it's not yet. The fruit of the spirit Galatians 5, 20 through 26. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified flesh with their passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. I believe another person, I'll say on public platforms, is a Bill Johnson. Lives out of the Holy Holy. He's a Heidi Baker. I've heard people say, i heard his leaders say, in an elders meeting, their teen leaders meeting, elders meeting, he won't say bad about nobody. A bad thing about nobody's congregation, another ministry, or whatever. I know another man like that named Brent Locker. We're not allowed to do that in an elders meeting. I Lord, I know that I tried. No, I have. He won't go there. He won't go there. So God's given me a role model what that looks like to aim towards. He will not speak a bad word about nobody. And there's times we can talk about certain situations and certain events and certain people, but he always does it in love. He always sees the eyes of Jesus first. Now, behind the scenes with him and God, I can't tell you that. I'm not him and God. That's his, that's his, whole, that's his secret place. I'm not allowed in his secret place. You're not allowed in my secret place. Angela can't even get in my secret place. She has her own secret place I can't even get into. There's thing God does with me in my secret place, she wouldn't even understand. I can't even explain to her because it would make no sense to nobody but me and God. How time don't make no sense to me. <laughs> but God. Let me read that in the, the uh, Galatians 5, 23 through 26 in the message. And I'll wrap this thing up real quick here. But what happens when we live, what, but, what, but what happens when we live God's way? He brings gifts into our lives. Much the same way that fruit appears in the orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a, a, a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart, and a conviction that as basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in a loyal commitments, 
needing to force our way in life, able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. In the body of Christ, what, what, what I'm learning, we're learning how to do, uh, in the world called constructive criticism, we're learning how to do uh, confront, confronting people in love. Because see, what I've seen as a leader in the school over the years, in the ministry over the years, and traveling, this Christian has an issue with that Christian. And so instead of saying, hey, you know, brother, sister, that kind of offended me, and I wish you wouldn't do that, because it made me scared. That's what the Bible kind of tells us to do. If that doesn't work, go tell two, three others, you know, and come back. If that doesn't work, tell the church, right? But what happens is this in the, in the body as a whole. Man, they hurt me. He that person, you know what they did? Yeah, they're bad, huh? Let's tell, and they start telling everybody. Now there's a witch hunt against that person. Or this guy likes this girl. They got to talking and stuff. Well, she really doesn't dig him too much. So they said, hey, you know what? I don't want you to pursue me no more, but thank you anyway. What she should do, or he should do, they go to their friend and say, there's something on that guy. There's something on that girl. Yeah, what are you, what are you discerning? What are you discerning about him? Mm-hmm, we should pray about that. Because we're not taught how to confront people in love. We do that in fear. We bring fear based into Christianity and call it being spiritual. One thing I heard Danny Silk say, and wait for him to teach you, I'll get a teaching on it. He says, you know, the serving of the spirit is not discerning what spirit is, are you dealing with. It's for what spirit is coming from you. Discerning your own spirit first. We got to stop that stuff. We got a harvest coming in. And God's going to bring them to the places he can trust. Now, Blazing Fire is a great place. So I'm speaking to the church as a whole outside of here. He's going to bring these people into a wave where he knows they have his heart for his sons and daughters. But he's going to deal with us first. So, Lord, my prayer is to deal with me then. I mean, I've been angry the last couple of days. Angry, deep inside. I'm like, where is that coming from? Come squeezing something out of you that you don't know is there. And people that know me, I'm a very gentle person. Now I take it out on nobody, but it's like, Lord, what is that? What's irritating me? You. And then I'll get, oh, God, thank you. What I want to do is play a song real quick. And just spend a few minutes with the Lord yourself. And let him minister to you. Again, it's just, this is, I wish we had time to really drill down this message as a whole, but we can't do it just 45 minutes, whatever it is. Bless the Lord to, to speak to you and where you're at in his life because he loves you so much. He has so much for you. If, if you're in a great place with the Lord, enjoy it because he loves you. Would you play a video, Patrick, please? Thank you. It, may, it should be the next slide. You just turn the sound up a little bit, please. You can stand, you can sit, you can lay down, whatever at this point. And we'll do prayer time afterwards.
Can the ministry team come forward? Ministry team? You know, this morning, I, uh, I'm an early riser. 
I can go to bed late, get up early. I'm just, I'm, I'm not, who knows I'm an actually wired person. I'm a, I'm a very wired person. I don't need coffee. Um, I'm, just, I'm just a wired person. Well, my nephew's the same way. How old is Elijah? Seven? Eight? And uh, he's, he's more wired than I am. And so Elijah's up and I'm up and, and he says, uncle, uncle. He's big. This is God right now. I'm sorry. He says, make me some pancakes for breakfast. So we're staying at my sister-in-law's house and, you know, I don't know the kitchen. I don't know the, you know, I don't want to get, you know, I don't know where things are. I don't know how they do things. I don't want to, you know. So wait till auntie gets up. <laughs> she says, well, auntie sleeps in. <laughs> but I really like some pancakes. I said, well, let's wait till your mom gets up, you know. He says, but uncle, uncle, I want you to make pancakes. And the Lord said, this is the one you need to minister to right now. This is the one I want you to minister to, making pancakes. So I made pancakes. And we sat there and had breakfast. It just touched my heart. This little kid just wanted a man to have breakfast with him and spend time with him. And I was going to put it off, the blessing I was going to get. We had milk together. I don't drink milk, really. He had four glasses. I had two. And then I'm, I'm doing something in the bathroom, washing, brushing my teeth or something. He says, Uncle, Uncle, I'm going to church tomorrow. I'm going to church tomorrow. That's why I'm going tonight and preach. But, you know, we had that 45 minutes hour together this morning, and I almost missed it. I almost missed it. It's those little tweaks that God is doing with me to enter the Holy of Holies to do more through me. So I apologize if the message is a little rough, but this is where I'm at. And this is where you can be or you are or have been or get to go again. Or, But anyway, love you guys. The prayer team is open. However you want to be ministered to, healing, wherever God speaks to your heart, doing this message or whatever, come on up.